And let us commit this time to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for today, dear Lord. Thank you for gathering us all here together. Dear Lord, thank you for this building, Lord God. We pray for those that may still be on their way, dear Lord. We pray, Lord God, that they would arrive safely, Lord God, for those that cannot be here. Lord, for whatever reason it might be, Lord God, if they have a need, we ask that you would meet that need as only you can, dear Lord. And again, we thank you once more for this time, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that um, I be able to communicate clearly, Lord God, what you, Lord, have ministered to me, to my heart, dear Lord Father. I pray that it would not be in my own strength, Lord God, but you through me, Lord God. So I commit myself to you, Lord Father, that I would be your vessel. I pray that you prepare the, the minds of everyone here and the hearts for your truth as we anticipate to hear from you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, still in 1 Corinthians, we're going to close out chapter 10. We are looking at verses 23 to the end. And just scraping the first verse in chapter 11. Depending on what translation you have. Okay, so... Just a quick summary that Paul spent three chapters on liberty within the church. He specifically addressed food, again offered to idols. And while the Corinthians were free to eat what was offered to the idols, some were convicted not to. Paul writes how love trumps knowledge when it comes to the weaker brothers and sisters. So, for their benefit, surrender your freedom. Paul also warned the church to be careful while exercising their freedoms as not to slip into idolatry. Bringing us here to the last section in chapter 10, the larger section uh, on liberty, which really began in chapter 8. Paul lays out how the Corinthians and believers today are to make every effort in glorifying God to the highest. That's one thing that kind of spoke to me, was that I think we throw that term around. I preached on it uh, about a month or two ago about glorifying God. That Sometimes we take that a little kind of flippantly. And then I, one thing that uh, God impressed on my heart, that we should seek to glorify Him to the highest, the best way that we can, because that's what He deserves. Amen? And in this section of Scripture, the, uh, I see four considerations that help determine whether or not our way brings the highest glory to God. And I've called that the better way, right? The better way. Again, we've, we've heard repeatedly, Pastor reminded us also that way means the way of life, the way we live, the way we walk in our faith. There's, we're going to see four things that work together, ensuring, again, the highest glorification, glorification of God. They are to verify... And again, we're going, to, we're going to break them all down. Qualify, exemplify liberty over legalism. And lastly, exemplify liberty thoughtfully, giving us the confidence and, and peace that our way is to the glory of God, to the highest glory of God. So, let us begin by reading the passage. Again, 1 Corinthians Chapter 10, beginning, hang on, I'm sorry I did not have it open to that. 
beginning in verse 23. The Word of God says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of what for which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews, or to the Greeks, or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Amen. So the first thing we want to look at that in order to have this, to, to glorify God to the highest, to live in the better way, uh, we have to discern the better way. We need to determine or verify. We need to make the decision of what to do or what not to do. He opens up in verse 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. But wait, we remember that Paul has not been saying all things are permitted, so do what you want. That isn't what he's saying here. We see there, especially in the ESV translation, I don't believe it's this way in the NASB, all things are lawful, right? But we understand that not all things are helpful. That all things are lawful is in quotations. But again, just to back up a little bit, we understand that not all things are lawful, right? Adultery isn't lawful. Uh, robbery is, is not lawful. The, these things are not permitted. They do not build up. They do not edify. His use of all things are lawful always refers to the questionable practices. What I'm talking about is the gray areas of Christian living that are not specifically forbidden in the Bible, but what the Corinthians' attitude really was. The Corinthian attitude has been, I can do whatever I want to do. <clears throat> Amen? As, it, you know, as, as, as we read in Romans, right? Uh, sin, all the more that grace uh, would abound. Right? So, that is the attitude. We've, we were reminded that even back in chapter 6 of the people in Corinth. And I think that is the attitude... I have to check myself. You know, we have liberties. We have freedoms. Uh, here expressly we've learned about uh, the meat sacrificed to idols, things sacrificed to idols. But we all have liberties in this life. Okay, what someone is convicted of, we've learned of. Uh, it may be a gray area, but if, if that person is convicted of it, but to respect that, to consider that, and to show them love for that. 
Paul has been warning the Corinthians that the things for which they have liberty, again, may cause other brothers and sisters uh, to sin. Back in chapter 8, verse 9, he writes, But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Again, that reminder. Our freedom is not to go to the edge as much so, so that we can be as much like the world as possible and just push uh, that envelope. That is not the purpose of the freedom. Because if we do try to push that edge, we may slip up. In fact, we probably will if we do go to that limit. Paul repeatedly instructs the believer to avoid every kind of evil. We read that throughout his letters. Even last week in, in, uh, in uh, John's teaching, we're reminded in the passage to flee idolatry, right? Just to go away. All right? Don't even be around it. Paul's point has been how freedom is to be used wisely. And when I say wisely, I mean that we, use to, that we apply uh, that freedom and that we apply it profitably, right? And when we talk about profitably, like he says in this first verse, it is to the building up of our brothers and sisters, to their edification, their sanctification, right? So we verify... The better way is verified or determined whether or not it's a benefit to others. Again, we talk about sanctification, the building up in the most holy faith. And our knowledge of who God is and our Savior. In Jude 2021 we read, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Building yourselves up. Okay? Building yourself up. Edifying one another. Being sanctified. Learning. Alright? Keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, what is keep yourselves in the love of God? How would you define that? Anyone. I'm not going to pick on anyone. What's that, Carol? Neighbor as yourself. Absolutely right. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm sorry? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Amen. But yeah, that's that's really what, what it comes down to is that keep yourselves in the love of God. And what was God's love towards us? That He sent His Son, that He gave of Himself. And that's what Paul's trying to drive home here. At least this was that's what I really got out of this, is and, and we heard it last week in Pastor's message, is Giving of yourself. Giving of yourself. Ephesians 4.15 Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. We are to grow in knowledge. We are to grow in wisdom. We are to mature in every way. In every way into Him who is the head. Who is Jesus Christ. In every way. In my thoughts. In the way I think. In the way I speak. In the way I act, that it would be for the benefit of you. That's what my focus has to be. That's how I bring the highest glory to God. Philippians 1 6, familiar verse, and I am certain that God who begins who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And he continues that work, right? He started it. He's faithful. All right? 
And, and, and that's our sanctification. And that's why we come here. That that work is continued through each of us, to each of us, to the glory of God. Amen? So the better way, the better way will, will verify, will determine that what it is is to the glory of God. And this is the primary purpose of our fellowship in the New Testament church. What we're doing here right now, in that fellowship, sanctification happens. That we assemble to hear the word. That we assemble to build one another up. You know, we come together, when we come together, God should always be a main focus of our conversation, of our fellowship. And it's not to say we can't watch a game together, we can't do, go bowling together, we can't do any of those things, but that the conversation of God would come up, that the conversation of our individual lives, of God's truth, would be at the center okay, of that fellowship. That's how it will be the benefit of others. That is how it brings glory to God. We don't need uh, a list of things that glorify God. We know what glorifies God. Obedience to his word. But we have to ask ourselves, is what, I'm, what I am doing right now, whether it's in this moment or in this season of my life, or what I am about to do later today, or tomorrow, or a week from now, Am I going to do it to the glory of God? Is what I'm doing going to be to the highest glory of God? 2 Peter 3.18 we read, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to to the day of eternity. Amen. That we are to grow in grace and in knowledge. We observe several times in the scripture... Paul as our example of building others up. I'll give you one in Acts 2.20 where he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. And what was it that, that Paul declared that was profitable? Well, 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Our conversations have to be like this. All right? Our fellowship has to be has to in, include this that we're honest, that we're truthful. Again, not to point out someone's wrong, but that we're concerned for their relationship with their savior. Here's one, here's one that that really convicted me. Okay? Does my speech bring the highest glory to God? Mm. Not all the time. Not all the time. Again, Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. Then the, the NLT says it this way. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Hmm. That just says it clear cut. Right? I, think, I think sometimes, I know I, find my, I, would, I have found myself in the past, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Okay, what's corrupting thought? And try to, uh, try to make a list. Well, just read the rest of the verse, Len. But only such is good for building up. If, if what I'm about to say, or what I'm, about to, what I'm thinking about, all right, is not good for building you up, that's corrupt. It's no good. 
And I, know, and, and I know that's hard to do. But I think we have to learn, I know I do, to take my thoughts captive and put them in the light of Scripture. And say, okay, mm-hmm. how does this build? Does it build? No? Then God forgive me. Help me. You know, that we heard on the retreat, and I was reminded of this, the men's retreat. I had gotten away from it, but at the retreat... The, the, the guy reminded me, he basically says, when these thoughts come in your mind, you know, oh, oh Lord, just, you know, I submit these thoughts to you, just uh, you know, clear my mind of these thoughts, whatever it is. You know, may, my, may my thoughts be of you, of the godly things, on the things above. So, there we have verify. Next is, the better way, in order to verify, we must also qualify. Qualify or why to do something or why not to do something, if that makes any sense. Verse 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I'm talking about motive. What came to mind was motive. Again, is the better way is to check my motive. Is my motive for the benefit of others? Our motive should be, again, for the spiritual well-being of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. I say, oh, my motive has to bring glory to God. Well, start here, and it will bring glory to God. All right? Romans 15, verses 1 to 3. Would someone read those? They're on the outline, or if you have your Bible open. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Amen. Thanks, Sean. You who are strong. Well, who's strong? Right? Strong is it's those who have trusted in Christ's fulfillment of the law. Those who are no longer bound to the rigid religious laws, but those who have a clear conscience. That's all of us who know Christ should have that, right? Or grow into that. We may not be that in every area, as Paul spoke of that, you know, whether or not to eat meat, there's some that are offended, there's some that are not. Okay, but we need to work towards that. So strong, those who have trusted in Christ's fulfillment, have an obligation to do what? To bear with the failings of the weak. What he means there is to be considerate. To be considerate of the weaker brother or sister. And not to please ourselves. Not to say, I'm going to do this because I have the right to do this. But is it right to do this? No. If we consider our brothers and sisters, sometimes it will not be. And let each of us please who? His neighbor. For what? For his good. To build him up. Why? Because like Paul closed us out. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because that's what Jesus did. Right? For he himself, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. And we have this obligation. We, or we ought to do this. We owe a debt We owe a debt. I don't necessarily owe you a debt. 
but I owe Christ a debt for what he did for me to extend sacrificial love to you to exhibit sacrificial love to exercise it's probably a better word sacrificial love to put you before me 1 John 2.6 whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked 1 John 3.16 by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers as we heard last week love gives of itself amen in 1 John 4.11 beloved if God so loved us we also ought to love one another you know just just thinking that now that if God so loved us that he gave his son if God so loved Mike that he gave his son for him he did that who am I who am I to withhold the love of Christ that I'm supposed to extend to him who am I to make that decision I'm no one so is my motive to the benefit of others is my motive for the glory of God when we make sacrifices to meet the spiritual needs of others our joy should not be in accolades my joy should not be in accolades thereby this is necessitating humility I need to humble myself before the Lord I need to humble myself and think of others needs our motivation is that God is glorified in Philippians 2 Paul tells uh, Paul uses Timothy as an example uh, of this type of humility Philippians 2 19-21 I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you for I have no one like him who will genuinely who will be genuinely concerned for the welfare for they all seek their own interests not those of Jesus Christ genuinely we all know that that word means sincere it means truly what I also found out is that it means naturally now it's not in our nature right to humble ourselves but if we submit ourselves to our Lord that by the power of his Holy Spirit that we would naturally genuinely right be concerned for the welfare of one another because this is what God requires of me this is what I ought to do this is how I express my love for my Lord and Savior is by loving my brother and sister. Our distinction from the rest of the world always should bring glory to God. The way we, the way, just our way. If, we, if we're living the better way, especially, okay, we should be distinct from the world. The world, we know, says, look out for number one. Numero uno, me. Right? And really, if you think about it, this is the attitude uh, that, can, that really causes us our stresses. 
that really causes us our relational problems as well as problems at work, uh, problems at home, and problems in the church. Because if I'm looking out for number one, there is no way I'm even considering your situation or your needs. I will only see you as a help or a hindrance to what I want to do. If I'm, if I'm just looking out for me. All right? That's my only concern for you. Is how, does you. how do you affect me? That's as far as I'm going to take it. But again, living in opposition to that, the opposite of that, the better way is how we are distinct from the rest of the world, how we stand out. And a Christ follower, you know, it, this might be hard, but as a Christ follower, follower, we live in a fantasy world. If, we, if I believe I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and not be concerned for the spiritual wellness of my brothers and sisters. That definitely fantasy. <laughs> it's delusional, right? I cannot, I cannot be a follower of Christ, a genuine follower of Christ, if I am not concerned about your well-being, my brother, my sister. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 21.13 Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. So it brings us to the third, the third one. The, the better way verifies what to do. It qualifies why or why not to do it. Thirdly, the better, the better way is to exemplify, to illustrate or demonstrate. I was trying to go, get the amplifies in there, the, the fives, okay? So, to illustrate or demonstrate Christian liberty over being legalistic or legalism. Verses 25 to 27. Paul writes, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. So the better way to live in a way that benefits others. You know, Paul here in, this, in these verses, he specifically mentions an unbeliever. I believe we're not to lay obstacles that hinder the gospel when we fellowship with unbelievers, and we'll talk more about that. See, what would happen is people would take that meat that was offered to idols and they would sell it. They would sell it in the marketplace. So Paul is saying, you're free to eat no matter what. As long as, as, long as it's not in the, the temple of the idol, all right, you're free to eat of it, no matter where it came from. And he qualifies that with, in verse 26, by quoting Psalm 24. Right? God is the creator. All his creations are meant to be enjoyed by the image bearer. What, what did God say after every day of creation? That it was good. It is good. It is good. All of God's creation is good. And that's why he quotes Psalm 24. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We are to enjoy God's creation. Right? We're not just to be these, 
sour push Christians, all right, walking around or holier than thou and laying down the rules and you do this and I don't do this because of Jesus, because of who I am. You're a pay, whatever, whatever it is. We ought to enjoy all his creation. We ought to enjoy his animals, right? We have pets, right? We ought to enjoy plants. Uh, we don't enjoy people. There's the rub. There's the rub. We don't enjoy people whether they're saved or not. And here's where I, part of my conviction went. There's nothing wrong with sharing the good things of God with unbelievers. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think there are certain instances when it comes to worship. Even Paul makes the, the, the qualification if you're... Uh, that you not participate in the eating of the, what was sacrificed to the idols because there's a demonic thing behind it. That's where you draw the line. Okay? But here, if the, you know, your friend invites you over for dinner, he's saying, go! Go! We can't isolate ourselves from people who don't know Christ as their Savior. That's not what God called us to do. <coughs> I am, we are, to share our blessings. To share them with my brothers and sisters in Christ as well as my unbelieving family. As my unbelieving friends. Because no matter who I am sharing them with, it's God alone who I'm giving the glory to. Amen? Again, there's certain things. Your family invites you over, you spend time with your family and they're bashing you know, they're talking badly about our Savior, that whatever it might be. Okay, you know, we don't, we don't put ourselves in those situations. That's, that's not what Paul's saying. <clears throat> I'm not to boycott celebrating Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. Again, those are all man-made things, but what's the representations there? I'm not to boycott those things from sharing them with people in my life who simply are not Believers, you do not understand the true reason of that representation, of that celebration. Paul tells me, right here in Corinthians, that if I'm invited, to go. To go. And that's what I'm talking about, not to be a hindrance to the gospel. Because that's the opportunity we have to share the gospel with them. Or one of the opportunities we have. And while I'm there, I'm not to go digging around, asking questions. This is where the legalistic part comes in, right? He says, if, if, in verse 27, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you. But what does he say? Without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. Now, in the past, personally, I may have felt it necessary to ask, I may, you know, to ask that question. But as I grew, as I learned, and as I study this, why go there? What's my reason for asking anyway? Is this a right thing to ask? How does this glorify my God? Paul said, you are free to eat. So why lay any obstacle that could become legalistic before the gospel message? What a turnoff that would be. Well, I'm not going to eat that hamburger, Jake, because you offered that up to the God of 
roofing. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. That might be Whatever. Yeah. So, so, no. What? What? What good is that? If I, I've just built a wall between Jake and I, Jake and myself, he's not going to hear anything else. He's just going to remember right. what I think about him yep. and how I've condemned him. Bingo. So we have to ask ourselves, why? And fourthly, we exemplify or illustrate or demonstrate Christian liberty when we satisfy the conscience of another. Hmm. Whoops. When we satisfy the conscience... I just lost my place, excuse me. That's what I get for trying to be technologically savvy here. (laughs) Oops. All right, again, the benefit of others. You haven't noticed already, each one has the benefit of others, the glory of God. These are how I check myself, how I determine the better way. The benefit of others is, in our liberty, do not offend a brother or sister in Christ, but that we are thoughtful of them, that we are considerate of them, that we show caring, that we, I like to call this personal ministry, that we come alongside them, that we show an interest in them. Verses 28 to 30 read, But if someone says to you, This has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. Now, stop right there for a second. I believe he's talking about... He's talking about... About a believer. I had to get my my thoughts straight. Alright? But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice. Then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you. Now, why would the unbeliever tell me, invite me to dinner and say, well, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you something that was offered to idols? Probably not. Right? Who informed you and for the sake of conscience. They're informing you for the sake of conscience. For the sake of their own conscience. Because he goes on to say, do not mean your conscience, but his. So this is probably the weaker believer, okay? Am I making sense? The weaker believer who's, I, you know, I'm sitting there, John and I sitting there for dinner, and I say, John, by the way, this was offered to idols. Now, I'm convicted not to eat of that, but John isn't, okay? But John isn't. Like I said, who, who else, but a, I believe, who else would bring that up unless it was a believer, all right? He goes on to say, For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of what for which I give thanks? So, someone tells you this has been offered in sacrifice to an idol. Paul says, then don't eat it. Because the reason I'm telling you is because I'm convicted of it. More than likely. Okay? Or even if it is the host. Right? It, it, let's 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 switch this around a little bit. That it, you're at you're at. Well, never mind. I'm I'm getting too ahead of yourself. Yeah, forget <laughs> it. Someone tells you that it's offered to an idol. Then Paul says simply, don't eat it, because he says again, for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I don't mean your conscience, but for his, the one who informed you, who I believe is a weaker believer. Chapter 8, verses 10 to 13, For if anyone sees you have the knowledge eating in an idol's temple, 
Will he not be encouraged of his conscience, that his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Amen. Again, if I'm informed that this food has been sacrificed to idols, Paul says simply, don't eat of it. Don't lay an obstacle now. Don't become legalistic in a sense. If I'm going to argue with my brother and say, well, I have the full liberty to eat this, so therefore I don't... Basically, Sam, I don't care what you think. I don't care about your conviction. So, what a mess I'm making here. What, what am I doing to my brother? I'm wounding their conscience because they're weak, and I'm sinning against Christ. And not only that, what kind of a testimony is this for the young believer who invited us over, or me over? Not a good one. Not a good one. Again, still don't eat because if it was that sacrificial meat and now you've been made aware of it because it may be a it could be a participation with evil. That's how the person views it. Alright? And then again, it results in the compromise of our witness. It results in a demonstration of hypocrisy, of inconsistency in our faith and in our walk who Christ is. And that's really what Paul says next in the end of verse 29 and verse 30. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So then, what's the benefit of exercising our liberty when it, all it does is cause someone who is either weak or unsaved to judge and condemn what I'm doing? Even if the meal isn't is eaten with thanksgiving to God, the message received by that person, again, is hypocrisy and inconsistency to the faith, to the love of Christ. Could someone turn to Romans 1 4, please? I don't know if it, is it on the outline? I don't I don't I don't think it is. Could someone read verse 4? Uh, Romans 1 4? Who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, I obviously have the, first, the wrong reference there. So let's skip. I change it so many times, but still a good verse. No, no verse is a bad verse. Okay? All right. So verses 20 and 29, again, this, is, this has been offered in sacrifice. Right? The, the, the meat. Then don't eat it, Paul says, for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience. And again, what would that conversation be like with that other believer? If I'm going to argue that I have the right to eat this or not. Again, the, the scripture references are there. Titus 3.9, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Again, if that brother's convicted by it, then just simply do it for their benefit. 
and that it would be the glory of God that we be sacrificing our liberty. 2 Timothy 2.16, But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Watch what we say. So, to, add, to close it all up, we verify and qualify to exemplify in order to sanctify so that God may be glorified. Does that make sense? We verify and qualify to exemplify in order that there's sanctification to sanctify so that God may be glorified with all those things. So, the fifth thing is the result, really, is that we glorify God. And he closes out in verses 31 to 11.1. So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is the better way. This is the better way. The benefit of others. Our example. Alright, when we choose the better way, when we walk in the better way, our example is an encouragement to the body of believers, to the members of the body of Christ, and also a witness to unbelievers. Paul says, All, everything that we do, due to the glory of Christ. That's why I try and pray, you know, Lord, guard my thoughts, guard my speech, and that guard my actions, that, that I will be mindful of those. And again, we do it to the glory of God. We're to do everything to the glory of God. That is our purpose. Not just here on Sundays that we glorify God by the assembling of the saints, by the teaching of His Word, by giving Him praise, honor, and glory. But in our job performance, am I glorifying God in my job? Is my performance on my job for the glory of God? Or is it for a promotion or a raise? If I'm doing it for the glory of God, chances are those other things are going to happen. Right? Do not be concerned about these things because all these things will be added unto you. Am I glorifying God in my marriage? Right? Those who are married, who are thinking of being married, alright? Am I serving my, in my marriage, am I serving my spouse for what I can get out of it? That my spouse would serve me? Or am I serving my spouse, am I concerned for Sharon's sanctification? Is my concern for her to grow in Christ? That's how God gets the glory. Or in raising children, alright? Is it strictly, am I doing this strictly to correct their behavior that they behave correctly or the, or am I raising them the better way that they would be independent of me but dependent on God Amen. that gives him glory and then any relationship any relationship I'm in that we're in is are, are all my relationships surely relationships of convenience and benefit to me mm. now it could be a, a convenience or benefit to me if I help someone because I'm looking for the accolades or is what I'm doing sacrificial is what I'm doing the giving of myself as Christ gave 
from me. So we close with this. We live our lives only one of two ways. We live a life honoring to God. Or we live a life dishonoring to God. It's much dis- and, and Romans 14, it might have been 14.1 actually now that I think about it. 14.5-9 says, One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Amen. And MacArthur kind of sums it up, this part of this passage, with these words. I like what he says. When we are focused with a decision about a practice, we should first ask if we have a right to do it. If it is not forbidden in Scripture, what are you, what are you saying? Man? If it's not forbidden in Scripture, the answer is yes. But our next question should be, is it profitable, edifying, and upbuilding for ourselves and for others? If the answer to both questions is yes, then we can do it to God's glory. If the answer to either question is no, we cannot do it to His glory. I'd like to what he says there really just sums up everything uh, that I got out of this passage. So, all right, we ended right on time. Let's close in prayer, and we'll go to service. Father God, thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for, again, the wisdom and knowledge that it brings. I pray, Lord God, that myself, my brothers and sisters, Lord God, would not just leave here today with a bit of information, Lord, but that we would seek our motives, seek why we do things, Lord God, that our determination, Lord God, would be to bring you the highest honor and glory in all that we do. That we not do things haphazardly or half our strength, however you want to say it, but that we give it our all, all the time, in all things, that you would get all the honor and glory. That there's nothing that we can do, but you empower us to do unto you. So thank you for your word. We pray for David as he brings forth your word this morning. I pray that you would speak through him and to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.